Hello and welcome to Love the Agent, your new favorite podcast on all things real estate. Now introducing your host, Alexandria Bolton, and her new co-host, Catherine Claire Ninus. Alex is the principal broker of Hippo House, LLC. You can find out more at lovetheagent.com. I always hear about people who either meet friends online through video games, and I think those people are crazy. And now here I am sitting in Denver talking with my podcast host, Alexandria Bolton. Um, Hey, hey, hey. Hey. And you're out in Louisville, Kentucky, and we've never met in person. We We have a digital friendship. We really do. I know. That is funny. I always thought those people were crazy. And now you're one of my most trusted confidants. (laughs) Same. Likewise. And that's kind of why we're here today. Claire, I'm excited to work with you on this because you have been in the podcast industry. You've kind of committed your life to it. And you know so much about just reaching people in a positive way. We met each other through working on a collaborative project previously and we kind of vibed together really well and um I remember I was sitting down at Park Burger on 17th here in Denver with uh, a friend and a colleague and she was explaining her personality the way she described you instantly made me want to work with you I was just like wow that that chick sounds dope (laughs) well I'm definitely a psycho that's for sure and I sometimes I'm like Do you have to be crazy to be in this industry? Is that just me? Or it's definitely not an easy industry. But at the same time, I'm I'm like, it feels easy because I've been able to do it. And I feel like if I can do it, anyone can do it. It is an emotional roller coaster. As with anything in life that you really get excited about, you know, it should be. There's going to be ups and downs. And I'm happy to share those experiences with people because I think it's fun to learn from them. And, you know, I'm like, if we can get a laugh along the way and you can avoid a headache that I encountered, then that would be great. But yeah, I'm a little psycho and have I consider myself to have a strong work ethic and you too. And that's why I'm excited to team up with you on this. Same. It, it's going to be an exciting little journey. It, it's so crazy to me that here we are in 2021 and real estate, it's pervading pop culture now. I can't tell you how many times I've seen TikToks on here's how to buy uh, your first flipper property or here's how you remove popcorn ceilings or here's how to make a short term rental on TikTok, it, you know, in 15 seconds. The neat thing that media does these days is this stuff has been out there, but now it's accessible to everyone. You know, you don't only read about it in the, you know, how to be a contractor manual that does not exist, by the way, but you can find it on TikTok as well. You know, that's that's what's really great about um, social media and the Internet. And Are, are you seeing so many more young people become interested in your industry Yes, there was a heavy wave of influx that happened. I think it, you know, it was really booming around 2017 or so, where there was just a lot of people getting in. Um, and now I, I do feel like after COVID, that's slowed down a little bit. Uh, I don't know why it's just kind of created a greater trepidation, I think, to get mm-hmm. involved with it. Or it could possibly be that house prices are so high because the inventory is so low that investors haven't really had a chance to pounce. 
I don't, I mean, there's not a lack of activity, but there, I wouldn't want to buy in at some of the prices that you are forced to buy in at. So to me, it means like I need to go hunt harder. Mm -hmm. It's scary to get involved in a flip, for example, when the numbers are tight, but you know, as with anything, when the tides change, you know, it's like, it's not just flipping. That's a way to get involved in it. There's rentals. And with the uncertain market, I think it's going to be advantageous to have uh, subsidized renting. You know, I mean, if you, people who had government backed rentals didn't worry about the, their tenants not paying that became attractive to people. Mm-hmm. So there's always a play involved. Um, and you just got to figure out what's the right play. And that's what we hope to do here is to tell people, you know, here's the different approaches that you can take. Here are the different chess strategies. As you said, you know, there there is no manual, as nice as that would be. So kids who are maybe graduating high school, uh, you know, in the last three years or college students or kids who know that college is not the route for them, they're kind of thinking, OK, what's my what's my plan? What's my life plan? And for this type of information about here, here's how you get into real estate. Here's the crash course in um, all things real estate. Here's how you buy. Here's how you get money and get investors to go out and purchase an investment property. That doesn't exist. There's no manual. Um, And I feel like a lot of the people who are trying to sell that, you know, it's a join my masterclass for $2,000 and I'll give you the secrets of the world. And <clears throat> yeah, I, I loved your idea when we we've been talking about this for a while, but your idea was to make this information accessible to people to get them excited about investing in real estate, whether that's, you know, flipping houses or, you know, becoming a property manager um, and, and handling it yourself. You know, there's there's various ways which you're going to go into, um, but you're trying to make it accessible to everyone, which I love. It is accessible to everyone. <laughs> yes, uh, because even, you know, somebody out of prison can go become a contractor. That's one of the, you know, that's a great uh, so- job for them to create for themselves and not have to go work for somebody else. If that's not what, you know, you don't ever have to go work for somebody else if you don't want to in this country is the beautiful thing. There's so many ways to do that. And it's exciting that, you know, it's amazing that actually more of them than you would realize pertain to real estate. I just bought my first home last year in 2020. I think I closed in June, first week of June. It is so intimidating the rigmarole that you have to go through, all of the contracts that you have to read through. And, and that's not even on the business side because it wasn't an investment property. I live here. How many years did it take you to learn all of the knowledge that you have? And do you feel confident in where you are? Or do you struggle like a lot of other women with imposter syndrome? I don't know what imposter syndrome is. It's this idea that regardless of their experience and time spent in their industry, they feel like they're faking it, like they are an imposter Mm. in their position, not feeling like they are adequately degreed or experienced or whatever the case is in their field. So they feel like, hell no, I don't feel that way. I'm like, you all don't have enough experience. But actually, the truth is everybody's an imposter and they're lying if they say otherwise. And you know, do I feel like I know the most? Absolutely not. That would be ignorant to think that, uh, you know, I'm always learning, but I have a lot of experiences at this point. 
with a lot of different ranges of real estate at, you know, everything that I'm going to go over from owning a rental portfolio to getting involved with commercial property to, you know, getting involved with land, agricultural opportunities. I mean, all of it, short-term rentals, you know, I've made money. I've lost just a little bit of money, surprisingly, but I've also not made as much as I could have through lessons that, you know, I hope to share with people, but I never, you know, I'm, I, I feel excited because I get to do the experiences that I get. And I do realize that the more I experience, the more I know, but at the same time, I'm like my ignorant mind going into it, realizing that I don't know that much about it is like my greatest gift. You know, I hope that I never lose that. Because then I'm an imposter. Mm. But I think, you know, it's like, I'm not the best at this. I would never try to portray myself as such. But I'm like, I'll work my ass off harder than you will. I promise you that. <laughs> Who can work harder, me or the workers? You know, and it's like, let's have that mentality, not do I deserve to be here? I'm here, bitches. <laughs> Whether you like it or not, this is what's yeah. happening. So we're going to make some money and get out of this. <laughs> if you're sitting in a cubicle right now listening to this podcast and you've always wondered how to get into real estate. Keep listening, pop in those earbuds and ignore your coworkers and figure out how to get out of your <laughs> nine to five grind, which I hate that they call it a nine to five grind. It's an eight to six in a lot of places and yeah, it's garbage. Fair. Or like the kid who maybe is, you know, doing odd jobs, driving for Uber Eats or Postmates or whatever. And they're in the car all day, like wanting to do something different. Before you quit your job, use your full-time pay to go buy a house. <laughs> because when you buy as a 1099 entrepreneur or, you know, a self-employed entrepreneur, you need two years of tax returns and you don't need that if you are employed by somebody else. Ooh, that's so, a so sometimes it's good to go ahead, you know, get a house under your belt because you have a full-time job, work your ass off to qualify for that and get, you know, use that to get started, you know, and then if you want to move out of that house and make it a rental after you fix it up for a couple months, that's a great way to get started. So don't quit your day job. <laughs> just yet. Just Finish yet. the season and then quit your day job. <laughs> this season is going to be really exciting because we're going into the basics, covering the essentials of everything from buying your first property to flipping and talking about short-term rentals, commercial properties, land, wholesaling. I mean, we're going to cover it all. So foreclosures, foreclosures, my favorite. <laughs> I would love as we kind of dive into this season to hear what you have going on right now in your day to day, Alex. So right now um, I'm going to be rehabbing the home that I'm living in as well. Um, and it's my personal residence right now that I would like to live for two years and then possibly sell or short term rental. Uh, which I've already gone through the conditional use permit process to have it be allowed and licensed to offer short-term rentals, which is a whole thing in and of itself. But this is my home right now. So I'm going to be rehabbing my house in the next two months. I've also got a large commercial deal going on that is a, it's listed at $1.8 million and we'll be closing on that. And it's 350,000 square feet of commercial space to lease out, which is huge. I love hearing about people's business opportunities in the commercial industry, and it's super exciting. Um, and then I've also, personally, I'm looking for some land out in Bardstown, Kentucky, home of most bourbon. 
my people. <laughs> and um, there's a property that has it's 10 years of unpaid taxes. And I know that the people have passed away. I'm not giving out the address because this is my baby. This yeah. is my puppy. <laughs> but um, I'm going to be going after the tax liens on that and or trying to bypass the tax liens by finding the living heirs. Um, so I'm going on a hunt for some properties here pretty soon. I've had a lot of investors that are wanting to get started with flipping and I'll be going to the auctions and going after this tax lien property, getting this commercial space leased out. How many acres? It's, uh, it's seven acres overgrown a little bit and it has a creek going through it. And I know all the neighbors is the really important part because you don't really want to move out to the country without like having a support system of people that, you know, I mean, you know, if you need somebody to come plow your whole garden, but they have that. It's like the country version of a co-op. You have to get in good. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And I've went out there to, to drive the land and I know the neighbor and, you know, I'm like, oh, do you know these people? Like, and she's like, duh, of course I know those, you know, like I know everyone within a mile radius of where we are very well. So I'm like, oh, so you know them too. Huh? So, <laughs> so what's up with this? You're the expert, obviously, in this industry. And I don't know a lot. So when you what are you talking about? You're chasing a tax lien and they're dead oh. and you're looking for heirs. <laughs> are you coming in and and is this shady? Is this legal? Like what? I just don't know anything about it. And I'm sure people are saying like, wait, they're dead. And now are you squatting, Alex? Or do you have a tent out there that you've known? Somebody passed away and they probably didn't have an estate big enough to get a will done and like go, have the family force it into probate, which would like force, you know, them to sell it so that they can divide up what it's worth, blah, blah, blah. So I think it was a couple, the husband passed or one of them passed and then the other one passed and they had a couple kids. I think there were one, I know of one right now and I've heard that there might be two. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they never paid the taxes. So when you don't pay the taxes, it becomes so it becomes a lien and somebody can buy that lien, which collects interest. So whenever if those people wanted to get the liens off of their property and sell it, then they would have to pay back the lien at interest. So there's companies that go out and buy the tax liens and that's all they do. They buy these tax liens knowing that the tax lien is accruing interest and that um, if somebody wants their property back, they're going to have to pay the tax liens plus the interest or what the lien holder can do is force it into foreclosure. They can say, Hey, I have a lien on this property. No one's paid me in, you know, X years. I want to foreclose on the property. And then what that does is it forces it to the, t- the sale, the foreclosure sale at the foreclosure sale. Some States are different than others. It's an all encompassing sale. So the tax liens, you know, what, what'll happen is that the tax lien holder will go to the sale and make sure that it bids up enough to cover their lien plus interest. Um, or they might go after the property if they want it. So some people do it to go after the property and some people do it just to buy a lien that they believe is going to get paid back on the interest. And, you know, it's a way to earn interest. It's like a pretty handsome interest rate. I think it's 12%. These are the types of things that I'm excited to learn about this season with you because I had no idea that was a thing. You're essentially buying other people's IOUs because they haven't paid taxes for whatever reason. And then they have an opportunity to pay an individual back rather than the county or whatnot. And then they get their their property, their land, et cetera, back. And or if they don't pay it, you have the opportunity to come in since you've been 
paying all of the the taxes on it, you have the opportunity to purchase it outright. That's so cool. Are, are they discounted typically because of that? Well, they go into foreclosure. So then it's, you know, it's just, it's the auction. Mm-hmm. And some people, you know, you don't want to wait, make too much of a wave about it because then other people will show up at the auction. Right. You know what I mean? So that's where, that's where then you're like playing a game and that's where it's really fun. That's why I love the foreclosures <laughs> and it's bought that day. You know, it's sight unseen, it's supposed to be sight unseen. We'll go over that. <laughs> Yeah, that's what's exciting is we've got so many industry insiders that on this season um, that you sat down and had great conversations with to kind of give more insight. Rapid fire. I want to hear how old were you when you got into real estate? So I was 15 when I started working for an appraiser. And then I dabbled in and out of the industry and worked for an attorney and then some entrepreneurs. And I was 25 when I got licensed as a real estate agent. I was 27 when I got my broker's license. And now I'm 30 and my hippo house is on its third year of business, my brokerage. And we're licensed in Kentucky and it's been fun. I've flipped about 50 homes and had a 26 unit rental portfolio at one point. Now I'm getting involved in commercial and it's exciting. What was your eureka moment in real estate? Um, when I was 23, when I was 22 or 23, I uh, was working for my stepdad, who's a real estate attorney, and he did the closings. And I realized how much money these agents were making because I'd prepared the settlement statements that like, you know, you write the commissions and the tax preparation, everything, you know, it's where all the pennies go on the transaction. And I was thought to myself, damn, they make a lot of money. And then I talked to a lot of them in conversation and I was like, God, they're idiots. And I was just like, well, this, this is a, this is a great, you know, this is a ripe opportunity. It's not rocket science and they make a lot more. And I know a lot about the legal side of it. So I, that's where I, I was like, man, there's money to be made here, but I didn't want to do that. And I wanted to go be a yoga teacher and, you know, live a happier life, I thought. So I moved out to Colorado, but that's when I worked for the investors. And that was another aha moment of like, wow, these people have made a living at, you know, they're in their early thirties, two of the three partners were, and, you know, are killing it in Denver, Colorado, that is not easy to flourish in, in real estate. And just, you know, working for them, it was like, okay, all of this is tangible. This, you know, I I can help them. If I can help them manage it, then I can probably do this for me. So I got my real estate license to a, you know, I'm like, I don't want to be paying an agent those commissions. That doesn't make sense. (laughs) And and there's myriad ways to go about getting into the industry, whether it's becoming an agent or trying to eventually be an investor, like the guys that you were exposed to. Yeah. And I think the neat thing is too, that it's like the, gosh, the cost to get into it is probably, you know, a thousand to 1500 all in for schooling your first year of fees, which are expensive and your MLS, you know, like that can be like 800 and the schooling can be 500 and So it's not no barrier to entry, but once you get past that, you know, it's like if you get one deal that year, it's paid for. So, you know, just put the feeler out to your, I didn't go like 
telling gas station attendants that I was a real estate agent, which is what they recommend at Berkshire Hathaway. They were like, tell everyone, you know, and I was like, I don't want to tell everyone. I want to tell serious people. But, you know, when I heard somebody buying or selling, it was, hey, I'm an agent. And so the point being, take whatever approach you want. But yeah, I didn't, you know, I approached it in a way that I was comfortable with and that I thought would save me money. And then I realized I was throwing away money by not working with other people. And then I realized I really liked helping other people get the most for their house that they possibly can. Because why the hell not? You know, if you're capable of painting a room, then you can probably fix your house up a little bit before you sell it to get a lot more. Your Instagram, Alex, people will notice first and foremost at Love the Agent that you, that you do projects. I mean, you go into houses and do massive rehab. So I'm not really seeing on your online um, social media presence, all of the back end business side, I'm seeing all of, of all of the HGTV fun stuff. How, how did you get into that? Like, I'm sorry, how, how do you know what to do? <laughs> I start scouring the internet and being a new homeowner, I have so many projects in my mind and I have no idea how to execute and it's very intimidating. So how did you get into that? Um, well, with a lot of real estate investors, no one, like the guys don't care, you know, they don't care what color you choose. They're like, choose the same color for every house. And I'm like, no, I didn't, you know, that one had a blue tint that I didn't like on the last one. So I'm going to do a different one, <laughs> but, um, that is just trial and error a lot of times, but now, you know, and now just through, by doing it, I'm like, okay, I, I know which grays have that blue undertone. I know what to look for so that I don't have that. If I don't want that, you know, this is a tan based white. This is, so I've just learned to look at colors more. And then, I, you know, I'm like, okay, I know if I'm doing an exterior color scheme, I need to come up with at least three colors. Um, you know, your shutters, trim, siding, simple as that, or porch, you know, how, whatever. So paint's obviously the the easiest fix. I mean, anybody can paint a room or paint an exterior. What are the more technical projects that you've gotten into with some of your houses? Oh, um, adding square footage, removing a stairwell. Oh, stairs. I went on a internet just rabbit trail last night looking at stair kits because they want to replace our stairs. Those are not cheap and or easy. No, I want to know that's not stairs. a DIY project. No, <laughs> on Etsy, you can buy these legit treads and they're like two and a half uh, inches thick and they're beautiful. They're unfinished. I'm like, that would be so cool. And like a floating stair type of situation. And then I realized that this small project is not a small project and I cannot do it without pulling permits and all the stuff. Oh, yeah. No, stairs are not an easy one. Well, what I really want to do, I, so I have open, open stairs. There's no risers, so you can kind of see through them. It was modern looking in 1980 and now it just looks dated, but they're wrapped in carpet. Truly beautiful. So I am desperate to just get in there with a pair of pliers and scissors and rip the carpet off to try to improve it. Yes or no? Go for, yes. go, go for the project or no? Hell yeah. With stairs, it's probably wrapped, I'm sure. So you might have to you know, be ready to commit to pulling it all the way off. That, that's one of the things with flooring a lot of times is that you like you don't know what you have underneath until you check. 
And that is just such a zinger. Like the floor plywood that the floor is sitting on can be rotted. And then you have to take that up. And then sometimes the joists underneath it can be rotted. And you have to sister those. And then you have to put the plywood back. You know, I mean, there's okay, there's all the, these things. You told me to go for it. But now I'm hearing very much <laughs> do not do it. Okay. No. On a serious note, check out our uh, check out our Instagram at lovetheagent. Um, and next week I will post a video of me pulling away the carpet from my 1980s stairs and we'll see what's under. It's kind of like Joanna Gaines. Is it going to be shiplap <laughs> every yeah, time she yeah. digs into the walls? Oh, I know. I've, I never come across shiplap, by the way. Like I've, I've come across it like once or twice, maybe, but um, I've done it a couple of times. But um, Claire, to wrap up your floor, though, I think you have to try on one stair to know what's underneath it. But if there's a stair that has a corner where it can be tucked again, then it's like it's easy to pull it up and tuck it back in. Start there. But if you're pulling it off from the bottom and releasing it from the sides for the first time, you might have to commit to taking it off. Okay, so we'll put some some photos up of my my attempt and we'll we'll see if it's uh, possibly a great situation because I did look and you can find new treads and risers at Home Depot that you can affix pretty easily. So yeah, we'll see. Okay. I'm excited. These are the type of uh, type of golden nuggets you're going to get. Me asking Alex for unsolicited advice on how to make my home prettier. And then as I slowly get into hopefully investing in my own first property, but we'll see. Yay. Oh my gosh. I can't wait for that, for you to do that. Um, also, if you guys have any questions, you can call our hotline at 502-444-LOVE. And leave us a message and we can answer a home improvement or a real estate question that you have as well. 502-444-LOVE. Leave us a message with your question. If you guys give us permission, we'll air it on the podcast and yeah, we'll, we'll put you on. There are a lot of people who are just now getting into real estate and they don't have the experience um, and they might have a few questions. And so this is an opportunity where you guys can call us and talk to a licensed broker and just make sure that everything's above board. You know, if something feels fishy or if you get that sixth sense that how things are shaking out may not be on the up and up, just call us 502-444-LOVE. And Alex, again, she's she's a licensed broker. She knows her stuff. She's been doing this for over 10 years and she can run you through it. Well, and if I don't know the answer, I will just, I'll help point people in the right direction. Throughout the season, I'm excited to hear some of your horror stories. You have a lot. I know. And we all have those. Almost everybody, whether it's you or your parents or another family member, someone has had to use a contractor and everybody has a contractor horror story. Those are kind of fun because you get to vicariously experience it and <laughs> there's no dollars. Yeah, my babysitting of adults. <laughs> your, is that well, hopefully. Your, like your oh, absolutely. That's what I say. I'm like, I am an adult babysitter. Yeah. Literally, you know, I'm like, can I, can I make this idiot proof so that they know exactly what to do? No, the answer is no, I can try. Uh, but seriously, hopefully people do learn how to manage contractors a little bit. It's an ongoing art form that, you know, I'm still learning with and it's not easy to be a girl in that industry, but you know, I'm getting my footing with it. And I hope to share that with other people. Cause I think once you know, the talking points, you're able to feel less like an imposter and more like the real thing. Mm -hmm. I love that. <laughs>
Again, we can't wait to answer your questions. Hit us up on the hotline. We will include the number in our show notes. Again, that's 502-444-LOVE. Also, feel free to tag us on Instagram and Facebook at Love the Agent. Can't wait to see what questions you guys have and start answering some of those questions that I have, but I am too embarrassed to ask. So thanks. (laughs) We're also excited about some of our favorite weather gear and fashion trends and bags and hats and stuff, uh, work and leisure wear that we will be selling online at www.lovetheagent.com forward slash shop. We appreciate your support of the podcast and buying from our store is a great way to show us that you love us. I love the Carhartt backpack on our shop. That That's the first I thing too. I bought. It was, it's awesome. I take it everywhere. I know. I love Carhartt. It's great work wear as well. I'm going to start using it as a tool bag. Another great way to support us guys is going wherever you got this podcast, subscribe to the show, rate and review. It's free. Do all three. Pretty please. Um, Really helps us. And we want to keep bringing you this great information and that makes it possible. We appreciate you guys listening.